in a series, like this is part two of struggles, uh, following Jesus in a selfie-centered culture, and I think it's going to be a good, a good time. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about contentment, and Robert started off the series, did a great job talking about connect- contentment. This is what he said. He said, envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. So talking about envy. A uh, super great lesson. So the, this, this series is really about these struggles in life that we go through. It's really tied to social media. But I'm telling you, every week we're talking about a principle that applies to anything, not just to Facebook, not just to Instagram, but applies to our life. And so envy is a big thing. Ignoring God's goodness in your life and resenting other people's lives. See, the more we compare our lives with others, the less satisfied we are, is what he said. It's a great, great message. If you didn't hear it, pick up a CD or go online and listen to it. Um, one of the things that I learned this last year, one of the greatest lessons in ministry, a pastor from Albuquerque, we were talking, and he was talking to us, some other pastors kind of teaching us, and he said, he said this to us. He says, uh, whenever God does something good for somebody else, whether it's another pastor, another church, another individual, uh, even your enemy, whatever, whoever it is, if God does something good for them, don't ever begrudge or don't ever be envious of it. Rather, celebrate it. Because he said, this is why, this is why. When you are envious and when you begrudge, you're sending a message to God that you don't want that very thing. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that how it works? Like, we're like so upset that God blessed somebody, we're so mad. Well, we just kind of told God we don't want that very thing. Rather, if we celebrate what God does in others, all of a sudden now it opens our lives up to receive the same blessings. Because God says, all right, you, you celebrate others, I think I can trust you with this. When we begrudge and we're envious, it's actually we're telling God we really don't want that. When we actually we really might really want it really bad. I thought it was a great lesson. So that was kind of about last week, being content, uh, not letting envy. So he, he challenged us to, compare, to kill comparisons and envy by doing two things, by celebrating the success of others and by cultivating gratitude, paying attention to those things. So I hope you did, did the challenge. I hope you look for some things to be grateful for throughout the, throughout the week and throughout the day because that helps us to cultivate gratitude. We can begin to recognize all the things that God actually is doing in our lives, and there's tons of things that God can do in our lives. So that was last week. So today we're talking part two. We're talking about relationships, more specifically health, health and relationships and intimacy. All right, so part two is about intimacy. So technology is changing relationships. How we use technology, it changes. It's changing how we engage with people. Uh, and so one of the things we want to talk about, I, I want to read, um, uh, I'm going to read a couple of quotes here. So out of this, there's a pastor wrote a book called Hashtag Struggles, kind of take some of the, some of the ideas from, from this, uh, this uh, pastor. And in the book, he has some quotes from people, just very life people kind of saying some stuff about, about uh, technology. So Gary, this guy Gary says, my friends tell me I have an intimacy, intimacy problem, but they don't really know me. After graduating, another quote, after graduating, I thought I would stay close, stay a lot closer to my friends. The good thing is that I can still see what's going on in their lives through social media. Every day I get the latest updates. Jennifer just had her second baby girl and, and named her Chloe. Holly finally graduated from law school after six years. And Katie and her husband just got back from the Bahamas. But even though I know all this about them, I don't feel close to them anymore. Besides a brief hello at Jen's baby shower, I can't remember the last time I actually talked to one of them. Now our big reunion is in two weeks, and I'm not sure if I even want to go. What would we talk about? I'm afraid it would feel too awkward. That was Michelle P. Real, this is um, Johnny K, Johnny, Jenny K. Real relationships move too slow for me. The face-to-face communication feels so awkward. Right? That's why I don't date much anymore. Maybe I'm spoiled because of how quickly I can communicate with people online and on my phone when I'm texting or chatting with someone. I can get an instant response without having to pretend to be polite or patient. If a guy doesn't respond to my text right away, then I know he's not in, really interested. I'm also able to, to have more control over the conversation, only telling somebody what I want them to know. Neither of us is distracted by our body language or saying more than we intend, intended. 
But I do miss the spontaneous moments when you're with somebody. That and the ability to receive a hug or hold somebody's hand. And then Tom Adams says, maybe it's just because I'm a competitive guy, but I really start to feel down if I don't get at least 100 likes when I post a photo on Instagram. Right? Or a status change on Facebook. I've always wanted people to like me. For some, so for some reason, I'm completely obsessed with getting people to approve of what I say or post online. But even I can't even. But even I can acknowledge that it really doesn't matter much. So, what if my college roommate likes the picture of me and my wife at dinner celebrating our anniversary? I shouldn't care, but I do. In fact, I probably spent more time trying to get the right shot to post than I did actually talking with my wife. Honestly, right? So these guys are talking about struggles. Hashtag struggles. The struggle is real. And so today we're going to talk about intimacy. So technology is changing how we view relationships and how we interact with people. Uh, the first way it's changing this is the term friend is evolving. On Facebook, uh, the average adult Facebook user has 328 friends. So average Facebook user has 320 friends. But the average American says they only have two close friends. So we have a ton of Facebook friends, but the average American says, I'll really have two close friends. 20 years ago, when you'd ask the average American how many friends, close friends they had, they would have said six. So that's dropped down to two, but yet we have more friends in general, right, because the term is evolving. In fact, here's what's really sad. I heard about this stat is 25% of Americans say they have zero close friends. That's a quarter, maybe even a quarter of this room today would say, I have zero close friends. It's hard. It's challenges. And, and, and social media sometimes doesn't make it easier, and technology doesn't make it easier. It's made us more efficient, made us faster, but, many, but, but along that process, it's also really affected our effectiveness as friends. It's hindered our relationship. It's kind of uh, uh, slowed us down. So the term friendship or friend is evolving. A friend used to be somebody you knew that you'd interact with. Now it just means somebody that you, you know, somebody that likes your pictures or that you met one time or maybe you've never met them they just kind of asked you online like hey will you be my friend and you're like i felt bad to say no to them like they're gonna think i'm a jerk so then you say yes to them but you really don't know them you know and whatever or, um it's evolving so we might have plenty of online activity but more limited personal intimacy technology is also changing relationships because even the term of friend is evolving we're also becoming addicted to um, immediate affirmation we become addicted to immediate affirmation. In fact, on my phone right now, um, I'll, I'll just do it, all right? I can, I can get my phone out, and I can, oh, I get look this way. Get the right angle, you know, and uh, I can take a selfie right here. And if I get the lights in the way, uh, and if I get the right angle, it's going to look like there's a really, like, tons of people in here. Or I can get a bad angle, it looks like I just a couple empty seats, like, wow, nobody's there. So angle's important, right? My face is really important, and I can, like, be like, hey. Oh, yeah, I'm more excited than that. I'm going to come this side. I think there was more excitement on this side. All right, so uh, here we go. And then I can upload this photo, right? I could post it on, I will in a little bit. I'll check into the Grove and push that one. But I can upload this photo, and in a few minutes, I'm going to start getting the likes. They're going to start rolling in, right? And if I'm like that guy in the quote, I, man, if I get 100 likes today, it's going to be awesome. If I get 200, it's like, whoa, that was a great post, right? Like tons of people like that one. Well, we get addicted to this immediate affirmation and here's the problem immediate affirmation is actually the same kind of thing that you would experience with your if you were addicted to drugs or alcohol uh, scientists will tell us that we have a chemical in our brain called dopamine 
And whenever we do something that feels good, um, and when we're affirmed by somebody, you know, somebody likes our pictures, we get a, a whole bunch of likes. It's like, woo, that, that chemical in our brain is released, and it makes us feel good. And we're like, ooh, I like that. I'm going to do more of that. So then we post and post and post, and, and we share, and we, we want to get more and more of that. It's the same idea of drugs and alcohol. It's, it's a short-term fix. It's something that makes us feel good for the moment. But here's what psychologists hap- say is happening. It's called deferred loneliness. The term they're using now is deferred loneliness. So there's this, I, this idea that we're all, and this is what the Bible talks about, that we're made for relationships. First, we're made for relationships with God, but we're also made for relationships with others. In fact, in the Bible, when God creates everything, he says it's good. And he created man, he created, man, uh, he created all creation. This is good. And night and day, it was good. And he created the, 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 the mountains and the sea. It was good. And then he says he created man. It was good. And then at one point, he, he says, but man was alone. And that's not good. So then he creates a helper, Eve, to, to, be, to have a relationship. Because God knew it's not good for man to be alone. We need relationships. We need people in our lives. We're, we're made for relationships. So what happens is when we, you know... When we're addicted to the likes and we're addicted to these short-term fixes, uh, whether it's Facebook or whether it's alcohol or drugs, it, it's, it's deferred loneliness. All we're doing is pushing the loneliness into the future. It doesn't fix it. So I'm still lonely because I got a couple likes on my Facebook page. It made me feel good. And dopamine released. I'm like, oh, that feels good. But it just pushed it into the future because now it didn't really fix anything because it's an immediate affirmation. It's an immediate fix. It's not a long-term solution. Does that make sense? And so social media is making us become, in the same way, our brains become like drug addicts in a sense. And there's a lot of things in our life that are like that. If you pay attention, if you watch it, shopping can be like that. There's a lot of different things that we do that give us a short-term high or a short-term excitement. But a lot of times what's happening is we're actually pushing all the, the real issue into the future, and it's always going to catch up. And the more we push it into the future, actually the harder it gets. And the more lonely we get, and the more addicted we get, and the more whatever and so part of this, what we're saying is we, we can't get addicted to just immediate affirmation. That's, that, that's not going to fix the problem. What's going to fix the problem? We'll talk about that in a little bit. So technology is changing. The, the word, the term friend is evolving. We're becoming addicted to um, immediate affirmation. And the third way that it's, that it's um, is coming is, and my, my screen's not showing me. Go to the next one. We have the power to do friendship on our own terms. So we have the power to respond to the text messages we want, like that, that quote I talked about. Well, I, I like I like our relationship through 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 social media better because well I could I can say the right things and I can post the right things and uh, you know I can I, it's it's easier it's a little awkward to be face to face. Well, it's 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 changing our relationships because now it's on our terms. Well, you know every healthy relationship takes time, and every healthy relationship is going to have ups and downs. It's part of part of us being two human beings. Right? We're different. But to be healthy and to have a relationship, you have to have interaction. But it's changing the way. We can, we can determine when we scroll through our, our friends' feeds, is that likable? Is this going to take – should I use my energy to push the little thumbs-up button? And now we have emojis, right? So we have you know, the, the bad face or we have the crying face or we have the, um, the sad whatever, – whatever faces we have. We can now respond with emotions right, to it somewhat. And so it's, it's, it's changing. So what exactly does this picture of this cat equal? I'm going to scroll past that. In fact, I don't even like cats, so I'm going to unfollow this person, right? We do it on our terms. If somebody says something bad about our candidate, our, you know, the, for, for, for president, the candidate we're rooting for, they see something bad or negative about our, our party or our, our person. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show you unfollow or unfriend. And we do life on our terms. So it's changing relationships. We don't, we don't have the, we don't have the, the ability to, to work through and walk through and, and work through these things. 
and maybe learn from others, even if they have a different stance. But it's our terms. So forget you. You're not my friend no more. I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to like that button. I'm going to give an angry face for that button. I'm going to, you know, some people are asking for the thumbs down button. They didn't do it. But, you know, I'm going to put a thumbs down on that one because, or really mean text. If you read, really mean uh, comments, if you read through them, you're like, wow, this is not good. People get really aggressive and say some hateful things, and it's just not healthy. So technology is changing how we do relationships. It's changing how we respond. It's moving us in, in different directions. In fact, some young people, they, they were asked about social media, and this is what they said. They said, the more that we use social media, the more we crave personal interaction. We may be more connected, yet more isolated or more alone. So here's the thing. We have to make sure technology is enhancing our relationships, not replacing them. Make sure technology is enhancing our relationships, not replacing them. We must focus on loving others more and really interacting with them rather than just liking what they post. So don't get distracted by the dopamine that gets released in your brain when somebody affirms you and says something through social media or through text, whatever. Make sure you're using it to enhance. There's an end of Jesus' life. So we always look to the Bible. So that's kind of the problem we have, which is kind of establishing the problem. What does God's word say about this? What what does God have to say to help us with these things, with relationships, with life, with intimacy, with close relationships? Jesus is about to die. And one of the last things he does, he models for his disciples how he wants his kingdom to be built. Like what he wants leaders in the kingdoms to be. And so they go to this, this to the upper room. They go to, go to eat. And it says that the, there was nobody to wash the disciples' feet. Like the servant that typically there washes the feet. You know, like probably if you're looking at, at, at who is important, that's like the least important. The person that's washing the feet in the house. You know, just a servant, just somebody there. Jesus, it says, he gets a, a towel and wraps it around his waist. And he goes and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. He serves them. He serves them. He models from one last thing of saying, my kingdom, if you know what it's about, it's about loving others, it's about serving others, it's about giving and laying down your pride, laying down all your things and, and being able to love others. And after he serves them, um, he, and some of them didn't want him to serve because they were kind of, you know, a little embarrassed or whatever the, I, whatever the reason. They were like, we can't do that. You're, you're, you're the leader and you're not supposed to be washing my feet. He said, no, if you're going to be part of my kingdom, then you have to learn to become the least. You have to learn to serve. It's about serving. It's about relationships. And he goes on and tells him, and this is in John 13, 34 through 35. He says this, a new command I give you. And this is important. So God gave a whole bunch of commands to the Old Testament. When Jesus says, a new command I give you, God is saying there's something different I want to give you here. There's all these commands in the Old Testament you can read about, about loving others and caring for others. He said, this is the one, this is a new command. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And then he goes to define it. This is what love looks like. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. What did he just do? He just served them. He just took time. He was, he, was, he was there. He was present. He was engaged. He says, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He didn't say if you go to the right church, people will know you're my, my disciples or my followers. He didn't say if you, knew the right, if you know the right theology or if you know the right doctrine. He didn't say if, if, if you go to church every Sunday, the people are going to know you're my disciples. He said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Like they're going to be looking at us and saying, man, there's something different about those people. Love for one another. He's saying, he's saying it's about relationship. It's not about how many likes you can get. It's about the relationships you have. So today, this is, my, this is what kind of what we're talking about, is practicing the power of presence. Practicing the power of presence. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another 
to acts of love and good works. Let's think of ways to motivate to acts of, of love and good works. Let's figure out how to get the most followers on Facebook, right? Let's, let's figure out how to make the most comments. No, he says, motivate each other. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Nothing to do with social media. Nothing to do with sometimes our culture thinks most important. But meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, meeting together, having relationships with people is important. Going to go get it. In fact, the Bible says wherever two or more gather in the name of Jesus, that God is in the middle of them. He's in the midst. Like when we gather as a, as a, as a, as a church, like God is in the middle of all this. And he's present and he's real. Something happens when we come together to encourage. He doesn't say, you know, don't neglect commenting or liking pictures. But he's saying, come together. In fact, one of the names for Jesus in the Old Testament, it said Jesus is going to come. It said his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's a great picture. It's like God didn't, sh- didn't just shout his love from heaven like, hey, I love you guys, you know, really loud and thundered it. He actually said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you. And Emmanuel, God with us, means he came down to walk on the earth like us, to live like us, to experience what we experience, to go through what we go through, to give us a better way and a better example. God with us, he showed us by coming and walking on the earth. This is God's, and one of the Old Testament names that he gave God is, is God is going to be there. Like wherever you're going, God's going to be present. He's going to be there where you're going. If it's a dark place, if you're, if you're going through something really hard this week, God is going to be there in the middle of that. He's a, he's a God that's present. He's a God that, that, that's there for us. Whatever we go through, he's Emmanuel, God with us. He's here, but he's also God that's there, wherever, we're leading, wherever he's leading us to, wherever we're going on this journey. So here's some practical steps of practicing the power of presence. Because being present is, is huge. Being, being next to somebody is so important. And this is what some of social media, and sometimes even the way we interact with people, is, 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 is limiting and, and slowing down our relationships. Because a lot of times we're not present. So practical step is, is if you're in practice of power of presence, you have to be present. There, there's a story in, in, the, in the Bible where God tells Moses to go up the mountain. And he says, Moses, when you get there, make sure you're there. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. When you get there, be there. Well, what he's saying is, is be present. Like, remain there. Wait, because that's something really important. Because Moses is going to spend a couple of days hiking up this mountain to get to where God wants him to be. He's going to spend all this energy getting up there. And you know what human nature is? As soon as we finish a hard task, what we begin to think about is the next thing that we have to do. So I... Most of us, when we hike up the mountain, the next thought was, okay, now I have to hike back down. And God knew that about us. He says, Moses, when you get there, I have something really important to tell you. So make sure when you're there, you're fully there. Make sure you don't have your phone out texting and Facebooking, right? Man, would you, can you put it down for a second? Make sure you turn off the, the, the thoughts about work and about family, whatever's going on, and just be there. Be present. He said, Moses, when you get there, be there because I have something really important to tell you. And this is where he begins to give Moses all these commandments and all, these, all, the, all the, 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 the plan for how to lead the people of Israel. He's saying, Moses, when you get there, be there. Be present. So what we have to commit to doing is I will love people. I will really love people, not just with my thumbs, not just with a click of a mouse, but face to face. And I'm going to love people. So practical is that be present. Um, in, go to the next one for me. This is in, in Romans 12, 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Don't just pretend. You, know, you can make, like as many people and you can comment on everybody else, but sometimes that cannot, that's not going to show the real love. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. A friend who's hurting, how do they really know that, that you love them? 
you know, text, and they're great for quick little things to encourage somebody. Hey, I'm praying for you. You know, I'm, I'm, I thought about you today, and I'm praying for you. Um, or, hey, that what thing that you did last week that was really helpful. You know, those little messages can be really, really good. Uh, I'll, I'll share a text that I got this last week at the end of service. They're, they're encouraging. They're very helpful. But, you know, we don't have to on our phone. It's, it's not only meant for texting or liking or, or responding to, to people's co- comments. You know, we can also, what, call, right? That's kind of foreign to some of us. It's like, call? I don't want to talk to somebody. I mean, this is going to take more time. I'm going to text them. Here's the danger of texting and email is there's no emotion in those things. You don't know what's going on. My wife and I got so – when we first started using technology and text messaging, we got into so many fights over text messages. I would respond something. That's fine. And she would you – know, or she would say something, and I would read it incorrectly like, what? That's so rude. She's like, I didn't mean it rude. Well, I read it rude. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> and we'd fight because there was no emotion. You have no idea what the other person is saying in the line, right? It can get us in trouble. An email – and you read it incorrectly, maybe you're having a bad day and you read this email and you're thinking they're having a bad day too and they're, they're saying stuff to you and they're really just trying to like point out something that's not good and you take it offense, you're offended by it, right? So it can be dangerous. Texting can be, so we call and well, it takes more time. Well, what's even better than just calling? Get in our car, meet at Starbucks, right? Or meet at a coffee place or get some tea or some food together and interact and talk. Be present, face to face. The power of presence Go to them, meet with them. Uh, this last week, uh, there's a, a, one of our team members, a family friend of, of hers, um, got in an accident, a motorcycle accident. And it had been a really hard week uh, for, for, for her, for this, this family uh, they're going through. Um, on, on Tuesday, I got the call, and, and she asked the church to pray and some of our team. So we sent some messages some, some, to, to tell people. Text message, it helps. We sent some messages to help people. Had a lot of people around our, our state praying uh, for this family. Um, in the middle of my heart broke because um, the, the, the family is very similar to my life stage, and, and uh, I, can, I can feel the pain and the hurt is this what this family is going through. And, and I was out of town uh, for two days, and so while I was out of town, this is going on. And so we, we, we talked on the phone, we text, and let them know we're praying and, and trying to encourage. But I wasn't there. Well, I contacted some of our team, some, and one of our, our families in our team, uh, they decided to go to the hospital and be there uh, with, with our other team member to be there to pray. Uh, you know, the texting that I did and the phone calls, those were nice, and they probably meant a little bit, but I guarantee you the family that showed up to pray meant so much more because they were present. They took it as a gesture of saying, I'm here, I care for you, what's going on, we're here to support you. This is what God did for us when he came in the, in the body and the person of Jesus. So I'm here to be in the middle of your pain with you. I'm here to understand you, to show you that I understand I'm not going to shout it from afar. I'm not going to text it. I'm not just going to call. I'm going to show up and be with you. Be present. I guarantee you, the team, the family that went, that meant a whole lot more than text message because it was presence. It was them being there with them. So there's a big difference between praying between praying for somebody and praying with somebody. Maybe this week you need to plan a lunch or a coffee or, or in a small group um, or open up your home. And have have a time to be able to be with people. Practice the power of presence. So the first practical step was be present. The second one is be engaged. It's not enough just to show up. It's not enough just to be there. You know, you could put the phone down, but if you're really not engaged, you really don't want this, it's not going to happen. You have to be engaged. You have to make this choice to be engaged. So the second part, next verse, next one says, most important of all, continue to show deep love 
for each other. First Peter 4, 8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. So not just, not just physical, not just physically being there, but emotionally being there, being available. Be fully engaged. If you have teens at home or, um, uh, or maybe kids. I remember a while back, my son was three, and I came home from work, and we had a lot going on, and, and uh, my mind was just kind of full. And I'm sitting there on the couch, and my son is tapping my leg saying, Dada, 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 Dada. Dada. And across the house, my wife says, Eric, are you going to answer him? I'm like, what? And he was there in front of me, and I just was not even there. I wasn't engaged. I wasn't present. How many dadas does it take your kids to, to, to say before you respond? Well, that day it probably took, well, it would have taken more if she wouldn't have spoke up and said you need to practice. And honestly, sometimes it happens throughout the week because I'm, I'm not present. I'm somewhere else. The power of presence is not just being there but being engaged, saying I want to be fully present. I want to be here. You know, when our, when our phone buzzes or, or we had a notification, if, if, you're on, if you work on a computer at work, you know, and you're, 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 your internet's up and you, all of a sudden you have an icon that comes up like somebody said something, you're like, oh. but you're working on something really important, you know, you're like, it just drives you crazy, you know, or your phone buzzes or it beeps and you're really engaged in something, but you really want to know. And I think they say it takes 15 minutes. Every time you get distracted, it takes 15 minutes to get back, like to pay attention to where you were, that, that state of concentration. And so if we're controlled by these little devices, um, it, it can really mess up our productivity, right, and what we're doing, which means if you're like the boss or the employee, uh, the employer, like your employees get distracted, that really affects, you know, our output and our, our productivity. So this can be distracting. Well, there's a new word that showed up in, in the dictionary. It's called FOMO, F-O-M-O. And this is what it stands for, fear of missing out. Our phone buzzes, our notifications go off, and we think, oh, i got to look at that right now. It might be really important. You know, what did they say? They might, that picture I just posted, I think they liked it. I wonder if they like my hair. I got to look at this right now. And your boss is talking and you're like, I'm paying attention, I am. Right? Or your, your spouse or whatever. And, and we get addicted to, to, to the fear of missing out on something. Who liked my picture? How many, at the end of the day, it's not going to be how many likes you got. It's really not. It doesn't matter all that much. And, and I think this is maybe a little closer to home than we think. I'm going to show you a video, and then uh, we'll wrap up today's message. He's driving with a box stuck under his car. And, like, who knows how long he's driving. I saw him pull out of the parking lot and turn right, and the box is still stuck under his car. So who knows how long he was driving with that box under his car. I like that he got home, he pulled into his driveway. Now in the sky. I'm not. Wow. I feel like it's there. It's not. It's not real. I don't think it's real. I don't think it's real. I see the lineup for the car.
You guys laugh because you know that's so real, right? You go to a restaurant and you see all the people looking around. We went to we went to Chick Fil A this last week, and there's these boxes on the table now that says, "If you will put your phone in in this box, um, we'll give you free ice cream when your meal's over." If like you kept it the whole time, Chick Fil A knows like families are going and they're just not engaged with their kids, and this is a really important part of their life, right? Like you can't miss out on your kids being kids. So fear of missing out, I think it's actually a real fear we should have. I think we're just focusing on the wrong things. It's not about social media. It's not about likes. It's not about pictures. It's not about how many people you can get to follow you, how much people you get to like you. It's about the real connection that God, that, that real connection that God desired us for and, and wired us for that we need to have. So practical steps. Be engaged. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Let us show the truth by our actions. First John 3. Let's not just say it. Let's show the truth by our actions. Don't just say you'll pray for them. Do it. Don't just say you like something. Do something. So practical steps. One, be present. Two, be engaged. Remember Jesus told the disciples, a new command I give you, love. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. It's like the world, they're going to look at us and they're going to say, you know, I don't know if I believe in all this Jesus stuff. I don't believe in the resurrection. But what I see between you guys, like that is powerful and I want that. I want to be part of that. When we love each other, we follow God's example. We serve and we help and we're present, we're engaged and we're aware. There's something in that where we care for each other. It's about intimacy because God created us this way. And when people see the way it's supposed to be, they actually want that. And that's what he said. They're going to know you're my disciples. You're my followers by the way you love one another. He says it's so important. You can't miss that. So life is not about how many likes you get. It's all about how much love you show others. It's about the relationship you cultivated, the, the, what, the impact you had. So yeah, fear of missing out is real, but don't miss out on the wrong things. I should be afraid of missing out on my son's life, my, my daughter's lives. I should be miss, afraid of missing out on those, those conversations that we have. I have a really hard conversation I have to have with my son pretty soon about the birds and the bees. I can't miss out on that stuff because somebody else is going to tell them and they're going to tell them the wrong information if I don't tell them first. Those are important. Can't miss out because I'm on texting or whatever. Put your phones down. Maybe make a rule, no phones after a certain time. If some of you struggle, you know, in, in marriage, maybe communicating, maybe no phones in bed. You know, and you'd be tempted to text, like, instead of talk. Maybe you need to do that. We laugh because my wife and I do that sometimes. We don't have a problem. I mean, it's not, not an unhealthy thing, but I would say for some people, you shouldn't do that. You know, are you in the mood? Hashtag headache. You're like, ah, oh, all right, I'm going to bed. Okay. So some of you, yeah, put the phones down. Be present. Be physical. All right. So here's the challenge. Be present and be engaged. So this week, take a step this week to put your phones away, to take a break from social media at times, to say no to the unimportant things so you can say yes to the important things. That's my challenge. Be present and be engaged. What does that look like today? When you're at the restaurant, be present, be engaged. When you're at home, be present, be engaged. When you're at work, be present, be engaged. Turn off the notifications. Put the stuff away until later so you can be really productive, so you can be aware, so you can be present. At the end of our week, man, I I guarantee Friday, Saturday, Sunday, next Sunday, we look back at our week, we're not going to regret how many likes we missed if we had a really productive week. 
if we had some great relationships. We had some friends to come to our house on Friday night, and my son the next morning told, told my mom, we had the best time last night. I loved it. He was so thrilled. We spent a few hours with some friends, and that meant so much to him. Why? Because we were engaged. We were present. We were playing games. We were doing stuff. We were laughing. We were having fun. Built relationships. I guarantee you I didn't miss anything on Facebook while I was with, the, with, with those people because we were present. We were engaged. We were doing something. So if you're here today, maybe you're not a Christian, uh, maybe you come and you're, maybe you're having a, a hard week and you just came looking for answers. Can I tell you, whatever you're going through, God, in the middle of it, wants to be your friend. And in the middle of whatever you're going through, God wants to, wants to be close to you. He wants to be present. But God also knows this. It's not enough just to have a relationship with him. You also have to have a relationship with others and healthy relationships. For us as a church, we say healthy people do healthy things. That first step of health is, is, is acknowledging that we need a relationship with God. The second part is beginning to, to fix this, these relationships with others. If we have disagreements, we have things going on, we, we mend it, we fix it. We ask for forgiveness, we have the conversations, maybe we serve other people. And God is asking us and, and, and he's inviting us into these kind of uh, relationships with other people. He's inviting us to be healthy. And so some of you today, you came and in the middle of this, you know, maybe, you're, maybe you're that 25% that say, I have zero close friends. God wants you to have friends. And more importantly, he wants you to be a friend. And a lot of times the way you get friends is you have to be that very person that you're hoping somebody else will be for you. But the most important relationship, I promise you the most important, is, is your relationship with God. Because that changes everything. When we have a healthy relationship with God, we begin to have healthy relationships with others. Because we begin to view people differently. We begin to view them the way God views them. And the way God sees them. And the way that God cares for them. When we don't, when we do life on our terms... Relationships are done on, on my terms, what I want, what, I, what feels good for me, and it's easy to say no. Well, that's not, that's not reality. Sometimes we have to hold the hand of a person that's going through something hard and not run away just because it's hard. We have to be there with them. But it all has to start with your relationship with God. And here's what the Bible says, that all of us have sinned, all of us have made a mistake, we all messed up, and we broke that relationship between us and our Creator. And that's why God sent Jesus, to make a way back to us to have a relationship with God. That whatever sin broke, whatever sin stole, he gives back to us. And he fixes and he makes right. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins and we believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead, he came in human form, he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, that we will be saved. It's a confession saying, God, I acknowledge I need your help. So do me a favor. If you're here today, would you all close your eyes and bow your heads? Give an opportunity for those that have come. Maybe you, you came and you're looking for answers. Can I tell you, God, Jesus is the answer. He's the first, most important step you can take to fixing things in your life. And maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, I need a relationship with God. I need that to be healthy. I need his help. And I've, my relationship with God is broken and I need, want that to be fixed. If you're here today, would you do me a favor and raise your hands? I'd like to lead you in a prayer. Awesome. I see those hands. Anybody else? I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer there from your seat. Awesome. For you that raised your hand, would you say this prayer with me? For the rest of us, uh, we welcome them into the family. We don't pray alone. Let's pray with them. Would you say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I need your help. I acknowledge that I have broken my relationship with you. That I have sinned. And I have fallen short. 
Today I ask for your help. Would you forgive me? Would you be my Lord? Would you be my God? I believe you died on that cross for me so I could have a relationship with you. I believe you're alive today. Would you be alive in me? Lead me and guide me. Help me to be the person you want me to be. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to help me make right decisions. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate those hands that went up and pray that prayer?